On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. Normally, I'd be sitting here with three-time Grammy Award-winning music producer, Big Block Spencer, but unfortunately, he's sick today, so you guys are going to be stuck with me. Uh, But I have an amazing guest who's going to pick up the slack, UFC fighter, custom-made Cody Durden is joining us on the show today. Cody, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Scott. Uh, just enjoying the life, man, and making sure I sweep in front of my own front porch. Yeah, I noticed uh, you're uh, wearing a coat there in your house. What's going on, man? My wife, she turned off the heater in the house. I woke up, it was 60 degrees in the house, and so uh had to throw the coat on because I feel like I'm outside. Man, even world-class UFC fighters still have to submit to the will of their wives. That's a good thing, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I also am in a similar situation, got an awesome wife, uh, but she, of course, sets the temperature in our house too. So just got to roll with that one. So Cody, you and I, you and I are pretty close. We're, we're good friends. Um, we also have a doctor patient relationship and uh, I've gotten to know you well over the last few years. And you are to me a quintessential big timer because you you have no excuses. And I mean, really, when we talk about people with no excuses, which is sort of the hashtag for the Doc in the Block pad, podcast and life in general, but you really do walk the walk when it comes to it. I, I love the way, you know, you just face your problems. You, you never have any excuses. Uh, and I've seen with my own eyes that you've had a lot of obstacles in your life and getting to know you, you know, you've told me about a lot of stuff growing up to that I didn't even know about. And you know, that's kind of the thing that we like to demonstrate to our listeners who are, you know, going through their own issues in life to understand that that's normal, you know, challenges and obstacles uh, and setbacks and losses are all part of the journey, even when you're a winner. And I know people look at you today and go, wow, man, you're a, you know, a big time UFC fighter. And they think you're so lucky. And you're like, well, let's talk about some of the work that goes into that. So how did you even get into fighting in the first place? as a profession? Well, uh, interesting. You say that I wrestled throughout high school and, uh, actually we, as a team, we won two state championships, but I never won, uh, a state championship as an individual. My, uh, I was always smaller than everyone else. And growing up in high school, uh, you know, my dad had me in recreational sports and then, you know, we got to eighth grade and I, and I was asking my dad, I was like, yo, what's going on? Why am I smaller than everyone? And then, uh, you know, my dad was like, let's get into wrestling. So we got into wrestling and he just, I just, I wasn't that good at it when I got into it, but I kept climbing the ladder every year. You know, my ninth grade year, I lost 21 matches. My sophomore year, I lost 11 matches. My junior year, I lost seven matches. And then my senior year, I lost three matches. So it was kind of uh, just climbing the ladder and, and not giving up year after year. And I saw the results and I, and I saw that, you know, if you put in the work, uh, good outcomes will come. And then 
after after high school, I uh, I ended up having a kid at a young age with a high school sweet high school sweetheart, and I always had that competitive drive in me. So I chose not to go to college and, and stay back and take care of my son. And uh, a buddy of mine was an amateur fighter at a regular weightlifting gym, and I would go in there and just train with him. And he was like seven and one at the time. And I did pretty well. So I decided to, you know, have my first MMA match and I lost. I lost. I got submitted in the third round. But I was winning the first two rounds. And uh, after that, you know, I chose not to give up. And I had another fight a month later. And I ended up winning nine fights in a row and going pro and then winning four fights in a row. And. Yeah, it set the tempo, you know. I, I didn't give up, and I and I kept going, and now I'm in the UFC, UFC flyweight, top twenty in the world, and uh, we're here. You know, it's really funny. I know you on a personal level, and you're such a good guy. You're such a a good natured person. You're such a giving person. I mean, you know, you take care of people around you. I mean, you got got somebody living in your house. I mean, you're just a really generous person. And then, you know, you, you, I've been blessed. You've been, uh, you've invited me to go be in your corner a couple of times to, to go see what it looks like on the inside. And it's just weird for me to kind of know this one guy in my personal life, but then you go out when the lights are on and it's like, you turn into this other guy, uh, who's, you know, the, the world-class UFC fighter. And, um, I really enjoy kind of seeing that, you know, the other thing we talk about on this show is, you know, the secrets to life are the character, the habits that you develop in life. And win, lose, or draw, you have to have these same habits in order to achieve success. And, you know, we talk about honesty, integrity, you know, you, you do what you say you're going to do, um, accountability. Um, you know, these are the things that are really important and that you have to practice them throughout your life. And you have to learn to deal with wins and losses as they come and understand that's just part of the journey and, uh, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about your, you know, your early days in wrestling and everything it doesn't sound like somebody who was made to be a fighter. You know, how did, how did you develop the mental capacity? Because that is the one thing I, I would tell our listeners when I see you, the thing that impresses me most is your fearlessness and your confidence when you walk into that ring. How do you maintain that? Well, it's, it's kind of like a switch that you have to flip when you step in that cage, um, the best fighters in the world, they'll tell you there's, there's no consequences. And, and for 15 minutes, you get to make life fair, you know, cause life's not fair. And, uh, it's just you and another guy in the cage or, or girl, if you're a female and, um, you know, the, a, a practice missed will come out in that cage. You know, there's no lies being told in the cage. If you're not doing what you're not supposed to be doing, it's going to tell on you. And that's what I love about it. It's so pure. And uh, you just have to flip the switch and and be, there's no consequences, you know. Uh, Once you get in there, it's kill or be killed, really. And that's where, that's where I have a trouble. I have, I, I have trouble and I'm working on flipping the switch off after it's over. <laughs> so what, you know, is that something you feel like you were born with? Is that a gift or is it something you had to train to get? 
Right, right. You have to train it. You know, all the training you do, uh, that's where your confidence comes from. So that's what's something we talk about on this show is, you know, confidence comes from doing the work and putting in the preparation. And, you know, I know you do that. Uh, you know, that's all the unseen stuff that, that people don't realize. And, you know, tell me a little bit about what that's like these days. You know, what are the things you do to make sure you're your best when you go in your cage? You make a lot of sacrifices. Talk to me about that. Well, uh, for starters, I wake up in the morning. I got to be at the gym by 830 in the morning. I do usually do strength and conditioning with Kevin Pilon, one, one of your guys. And uh, then at 930 to 11, we do uh, either wrestling practice or sparring. Then I come home. Uh, I, I get done at 11 and then I we have to stretch, uh, do some recovery things. And then I, I end up going back in the evening around 5 p.m. and, and staying another another two hours. So it's a it's an all day grind and it gets uh, it gets tiring for sure. So you got to control your diet in there and uh, all that. Now, you know, now you're an established professional fighter and, and all that. But in the beginning, you know, you didn't you, you weren't able to sort of rely on the money you made fighting. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that like to have to go, you know, do, do a real job. And then, uh, well, I think fighting is a real job, but you know what I mean? You had to go do something else in order to start your fighting. So tell me what that, that was like. Yeah. I, I had to work, uh, basically what you call in today's society, a nine to five, but my schedule was, uh, 10 hours a day for, for, four days a week. And I had to wake up. I had to be at work by six. I got off at uh, either 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. every day. And I would have go, I would have to go straight to the gym. So uh, I didn't get the UFC call till I was 29 years old. And I didn't know if it was going to happen for me at the time. I was 11 and two with a, a seven fight win streak, seven, seven finishes in a row. Uh, seven first round finishes and I just didn't know, but you know, I, I knew that I had a purpose in life. And, uh, once I fell in love with fighting, uh, it was all or nothing. So every day, you know, I would go to work and I knew that I had to make it to the gym after work, no matter what, uh, at least four or five times a week. And, uh, it was hard, but my beautiful wife, she, uh, every, every night when I got home, like at 9 PM at night, she had dinner in the microwave. And I swear to you, that made me fall in love with her so much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got a good support system. You know, one of the things I would tell people just because I know you personally, and you know, I always like to think that uh, I'm at this stage of my life where, you know, I've never been a super smart guy but uh, I'm a hardworking person and I have accumulated some wisdom along the, along the road. Cause I've been here for a while. And so one of my things I like to observe is I really admire people who are successful. And I kind of feel like I've been a student of the successful. I like to watch how they behave and what they do. And that's why I kind of sort of have put two and two together. And I see like, wow, honesty, integrity, accountability, you know, putting in the work, all of these things are, are super important and you have all of them, which is why I know you're going to be UFC champion one day, because it's not just that you're, um, you know, super fast and, and very, your fight IQ is really, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport. So I understand good fighters. Your fight IQ is second to none. I mean, you really understand the game, you know what you're doing. 
you got a lot of physical abilities uh, that are God given your speed, your quickness. Um, but you do everything properly. You know, you, you make weight. And I remember the first time you invited me to go be in the corner and in Vegas, uh, that would have, that was the first time I'd ever seen anybody have to make weight. And it was really kind of horrifying. And, uh, I can remember, you know, you're sitting there, you, you show up and I don't know, you had to lose like 12 pounds and you're not a giant guy to begin with. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that's a lot to lose in a couple of days. So you're sitting there eating your Jolly Rancher for dinner and I'm ordering this 18, inch, 18 inch cheese steak. And I'm sitting here chew, chewing this thing down Go, man, I don't even know if I can finish this whole thing. And, uh, I was so know, mad. I was so <laughs> mad. And so you're sitting there sweating and getting in the sweat box and weighing and all this kind of stuff. Tell me about making weight. And uh, you know, the one thing you said to me too, is I have never missed weight in my career. Talk to me about that, what that was like, because to me, that is an amazing sign of accountability. Well, listen, Scott, uh, when it comes to making weight, I'm a savant, you know, I, uh, I always make weight. I've had around 30 fights and uh, I've never missed weight. And yeah, I think it I think it has to, a lot to do with uh, your willpower. You know, when you're in the sauna and you, you have five pounds to go, it gets hard. It gets very hard. But, uh, you know, that's why you surround yourself with such a great team. It takes discipline. Uh, you have to make sure that your nutrition is right. Uh, fortunately for me, the UFC has a nutritionist for us and uh, we contact them and, and they usually lead us in the right direction as far as uh, what weight we need to be at, at how far we are away from our fights. And so that helps out tremendously. And also the UFC, when we arrive there, they have all my meals scheduled out throughout the week. So I'm just like a machine. I don't even have to think. I don't have to worry about my food. I just eat what they tell me. And, uh, you know, we've I've had six UFC fights. So, of course, everything that goes into my body on fight week is documented. And so we have these uh, trials and tribulations of what we've done in the past and how we can improve going forward. So uh, I feel like the last weight cut was was – the best weight cut. And, uh, I had one of my best performances, uh, because of it, I believe. Yeah, that was an amazing performance. Uh, you dominated from wire to wire. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, the other thing I would tell you too, just like as an interested observer, like going into the, the UFC, you guys usually show up about five days before fight day you get on the scale and those nutritionist people, they know, okay, here's the amount of water you drank here, are the foods you eat and everything. And then you guys step on that scale and the last moment and you're always every one of you right on the button. And I'm like, man, that is such a science of, of how that works. And it's, uh, it's really interesting to people like me that are fans of the sport. Um, I enjoy it so much. And I think I do enjoy it because of what you're talking about. There, is, there are no excuses in there. There's no, you know, it's a pure meritocracy, right? There's no, you know, there's no, I guess a judge could kind of uh, have a little bit of an influence, but at the end of the day, it's really you against another person and uh, you have to leave it all out there. Now, part of being a professional fighter is it's a business as well. And you guys get contracts and, 
you know, you're expected to produce something for, in this case, the UFC, which is your employer. And then you were getting to the end of your contract and they asked you to go out to London, which is a big deal. You got to, you know, get your team, you got to get out to London. It's a big trip. And they also asked you to fight somebody who's absolute savage and just is, you know, one of these people that, you know, when it's all said and done, maybe one of the all time greats. Talk to me about what that's like, where you get this opportunity, but it's really because you were on your last fight of your contract. Kind of tell me about when, what went into that and your mindset. Um, And then let's talk about what happened when you went over. Well, uh, first of all, they asked me to fight in London. And uh, at the time, this was, uh, you know, earlier this year, I was kind of opposed to getting vaccinated, but you know, they offered me a new contract and, uh, and I just couldn't resist it. You know, I knew I had to put food on the uh, plate for my family. And, uh, so I went and got vaccinated. I I, I flew to London. They wanted me to fight Makayev, uh, Muhammad. And, uh, he, at the time he was ranked number, number one pound for pound amateur in the world. And, uh, he was seven and no pro at the time. He, as an amateur, he was. You're, uh, you're just coming. You're just coming off of ACL surgery too, so you're right. You're right. not quite 100. percent I had I had one I had one fight coming off ACL surgery. I won a, a unanimous decision, and then the next fight was the contract fight. So I I took the fight uh, to renegotiate my contract. I, he was 24 and 0 as an amateur, 7 and 0 as a pro. And I went to London and, and it didn't work out for me, man. Uh, I just remember, you know, him running at me, hitting me with a flying knee right on the tip of the chin. And uh, it hurt. That was the hardest I ever got hit. I ended up picking him up, slamming him. Uh, and he ended up catching me in a guillotine choke. <clears throat> but after yeah. that, you know, I could have gave up. I could have quit and made excuses no, I didn't make any excuses, man. I lost. He was the better man in that cage that night. Uh, fast forward into today. I'm uh, three and one in my last four fights on a two fight win streak and uh, up for another contract, baby. So <clears throat> you, you are one of the most humble people that I know. I always laugh to myself like, you know, Famous people, famous athletes like that just aren't like you. You know, you really just, I don't know. I don't want to kind of take off your cape for your, you know, your future opponents or anything, but you're really like the nicest guy in the world and the most giving person in the world, but you're also the most mentally tough person I've ever seen. So you got this contract, you know, people have to understand in the UFC, it's not like they just keep around every single fighter. Like you've got to be world-class. You got to be top in the world. And here you are at the end of your fight contract. They're telling you they want you to fly to another country, uh, you know, get vaccinated, which is something you didn't really want to do. And, oh, by the way, you're going to fight somebody who's, you know, pound for pound, the best fighter in the world. Uh, what do you say? You go out there and you took that one on the chin. It was kind of uh, reminiscent of um, what, what's his face? Um, Mosfidal and um, oh, Ben Askren. And Ben Askren, yeah, where he knocked him out in a second. It was very similar to that, but you ate that knee. And I just remember watching like, oh, my goodness. You were wobbled. Uh, you guys got in the grasp. You flipped him over. Looked like you might be getting out of it. And then you got choked out. And the whole thing happened in 30 seconds. And I'm thinking to myself, 
to a less mentally tough person, that could have been the end of Cody Durden and the end of your fight career. But you came back and I remember you didn't say, well, you know, I had to fly to London. I was tired. My ACL. I didn't hear you say any of that. You said just what you said right now. I got beat. And so you then came back. You immediately went into the gym, started training. And not only that, but you went to Coconut Creek uh, and basically submerged yourself in your craft away from your family. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I knew uh, that I need to make a change and and go and train with the best guys in the world. So the following the next camp, my next fight was in June uh, of this year, June 25th. And uh, I spent five weeks away from my family. I was in the dorm rooms. I was living and breathing, fighting every day, uh, training two, three times a day. And uh, I didn't have a plan B, you know. So I, I went out there and knocked the dude out in a minute and eight seconds. And uh, yeah, so that was that was a great fight. So you go and you do all of that down in Coconut Creek. I remember you were kind of you'd Facetime me every now and then just to show me what was going on. I mean, very Spartan, living in a dorm room and basically going right down to the gym, not even seeing the light of day, fighting against the best guys round after round. And you were letting me know too, like I'm going against these world class guys, and I'm not losing a round in training. And I think your confidence was growing from that. Cause you were like, Hey, I'm, these are the best guys and I'm holding my own. And then we, you, you again invited me to go be in the corner. We went out to Vegas and uh, your opponent was a tough guy. And I mean, you knocked him out. I mean, right off the bat, you stunned him. Uh, you got him down and you just put him out of there instantly. And I just remember watching that, like, wow, coming back after that submission to do that. Tell me about how that felt. It felt good. Uh, I kind of felt bad when I ran into my opponent uh, at the time, uh, JP Boz. I ran into him at the Performance Institute, and he told me that I broke his orbital and his nose uh, on that first hit. But the moment was, you know, one of the best moments uh, of my uh, fighting career. You know, I established myself in the UFC, got a, a, a big knockout over a guy who's never been finished. Uh, in his career like that. And also it was the third fastest uh, flyweight knockout in history. So uh, I really established myself, but I think the, the fight that we just had a month ago, uh, October 29th, I think it was uh, one that put me on the map to be a future contender in the, uh, in the top 15 um, rankings. Yeah, that, w- that was my favorite fight because it, w- it was three rounds. It did go the distance, but I mean, you dominated and you dominated everywhere in stand up. You dominated on the ground. Um, he got you, uh, you know, in a compromised position that you immediately got out of. And it was just really a great fight to see all of your skills and really that you don't have any weaknesses. You know, if it's on the ground, if it's stand up. Um, you know, even if they get you in a compromising position, your defense is amazing and your confidence. I'm telling you again, it's like you go into that, um, you go into that cage. And I, I remember when I was in middle school or in high school, even, well, not so much high school, but I remember in middle school, you know, you're going to have to fight that guy after school behind the gym and that, you know, the butterflies and the, just a nauseating (laughs) feeling that that's like, I can't even imagine walking into the cage in front of the entire world against another person who all they do in life is train 
to fight and you do it like you're going to Disneyland, like you're going Christmas shopping. I mean, you just have this calm that comes over you and no matter what happened, you know, you just got submitted in 30 seconds to fight before, but your confidence is just amazing. And I know in my own life that, you know, things like not quitting and commitment, you have to train for them. You have to do them in your everyday life on the simple things. And I always tell the story about when I jog, you know, I get to the bottom of the hill at the end of the run and sometimes I'm not up to it. You know what I mean? And it's like, ah, maybe I just walk up the hill. And the reason I never do is I tell myself, if you start quitting here, that's the next thing you'll quit at other things. So don't quit on the small things. And it's like training your mind to just never quit. I know you have a similar type uh, ethos. Talk to me about how you train your mind to, you know, have that confidence. Well, basically, man, I just, I like to take advantage of opportunities, you know, opportunities, they come and they go. Um, one time I, I fought three times in one night. Uh, I left uh, with a $10,000 check and the King of Sparta belt. And uh, I got to meet Justin Gaethje. So I got a call uh, on a Wednesday night. They're like, hey, Cody, we got an eight-man tournament in Colorado. This was in 2019. Uh, and he told me the details. He told me a guy dropped out and they wanted me to be the replacement. And uh, I was like, sure. So me, me and my, uh, my parents, we, I invited my parents. We flew to Colorado. I didn't have a corner man. And I fought three times in one night. And uh, it paid off for me. So that was an opportunity that presented itself that I took and I took a chance. And, you know, uh, I won. So I think in life, you know, when opportunities present themselves, you got to take advantage of them. And just like you said, wins and losses come in life. But if you're not taking advantage of the opportunity, you'll never have wins and losses. Gotcha. So, Cody, we talk a lot on Big Timers Foundation about having this inner strength to be able to do the right thing and actually, you know, build on on a successful life. And a lot of us, you know, we have our our obstacles and things like that. And, you know, as we make our way in this, like I talk about my grandparents, you know, they were factory workers. My grandfather lost all his fingers, but he worked hard. My parents were able to, because they lived in a safe environment provided by their, my grandparents, they were able to put themselves through school. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a naval officer. And then, you know, I got an education. I was able to become an orthopedic surgeon. It was kind of like, I teach my kids. The first thing you have to do in this life is take care of yourself, but then try and have something left over to do the next thing, care for your family and care for others. When you were 13, 14 years old, when did you make this decision that you were going to overcome the obstacles in your life and go down the path that you have gone down? And I can just tell people right now, you're, one of, you're a great dad, you're a great husband, you take care of your family first and foremost. Talk to me about that, about a mentor that you had when you were, when you were young that, that got you on the right path. Well, when I was a kid uh, in middle school, man, I was always in trouble. I, I remember I had I was always in the principal's office and when I went skating, I used to go skating every Friday and I would get into a lot of fights. So what helped me when I was 13 and 14, a moment was I loved wrestling. I loved being on the football team and, and it would hurt so bad when I would have to uh, miss a football game or miss a, a wrestling tournament. 
And I remember that I, I got in trouble at school for just just being a clown, basically. And, and, I, and I threw like a piece of paper in class at, a, at another classmate. And uh, I went to the I got sent to the principal's office and I was just a clown, really. And I remember the principal said, you're not wrestling this weekend at one of the biggest tournaments in the southeast. I think there was like 40 teams and I was ranked uh, number two to win the tournament. And uh, he pulled me from the tournament. And I knew that uh, I, I think I think that hurt more than anything because I wanted to win that tournament so bad. But that was a real a real turning point for me because I knew that opportunities were going to be taken from me if if I continued doing what I was doing. I uh, I had a a big ego. And uh, I was always the small kid, so I felt like that I, I had to prove myself that I was a tough guy. And uh, it just got me in trouble. So what, what was it that got you to, you know, what, how did you start taking the steps to go down a different path that led you to the success you have today? I just started thinking before I acted, you know. Uh, I would, I would literally ask myself, will this get me in trouble before I did it? And uh, once I started thinking, I started making better decisions. And once you start making better decisions, uh, good things start happening to you in life. That really is kind of the essence of maturity is, is the, the kind of one of the first steps is understanding the consequences of your decisions that you make. And one of the reasons that we started the Big Timers Foundation was we wanted to give a lot of these kids that are going through struggles in their lives right now a place to turn to 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 give them some mentorship and some guidance and also an understanding. I, I feel like I'm a very average person. You know, I'm proud of what I accomplished in athletics with this very modest body. I'm a proud that I became an orthopedic surgeon with a you know reading disability and not the smartest person in the world, but a hard worker. And I think, how did I get here? And it was really because I had a father to tell me that the secret to success is hard work. You have to put in the work. You can't quit. And it was just somebody to encourage me all the time. You know, I missed a penalty kick uh, to lose the state championship in, in high school once. And my dad was there like, hey, Pele misses penalty kicks. You know, Ronaldo misses penalty kicks. We just watched Harry Kane in the World Cup miss a penalty kick. I mean, champions fail, but but they don't quit. And you know, that's kind of the thing that we want to do with the Big Timers Foundation is provide this opportunity for kids to look up to people like you where it's easy to say, wow, look at him. He's so lucky. He has all these advantages in life. But really, it's just been the same same issues with failure and obstacles put in front of them. And one of the big things that we see today, one of the big challenges we have is social media where people are constantly posting things that are aren't aren't real. You know, you and I both know uh, you you look at what's on somebody's Instagram page, and when you know that person in reality, it's nothing like that. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. has issues. Everybody has obstacles. And I know you know in the fight world, you see kind of that persona on Instagram, but you know what a lot of these people are like behind the scenes. Right, right. You know, they, the younger generation, they call it clout. And uh, really, you know, people aren't dumb. We, we know, we see what's going on and we know what's going on. And, uh, you know, everything you do on social media, um, it follows you, you know, you're, you're, you're not where you want to be 
but you can't see that as what it is. You know, it's not about where you're at. It's about where you're going. And uh, in the future, when you do make it to the big leagues to be a professional athlete or you you make it to be a, 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 a one of the best musicians in the world or whatever you're going to do, the social media follows you. And it's easy to hit that search button and, and find out what you were doing a decade ago. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the worst things that's happened to young people is the, the documentation of everything we do when we're young and dumb. Right, you know? right. And, and I try to teach my kids, listen, anything you write in a text, anything you write in an email, any picture you take, that's public. Yeah. You think it's private? It is not. It is public and it will get out there. And you tell your best friend something or you show your best friend something, it's out there and you have to kind of be aware, aware of it. And it's not fair. You know, it isn't a fair thing. God knows what my life would have been like if there were cell phones and the ability to document every stupid thing I did when I was growing up. But, you know, having the ability to to detach yourself from social media and to really understand that what you're seeing there is not real. None of it. You know, the, the, the persona that people are putting out about their amazing lives and, you know, the, the everything is amazing. Everything. I mean, even the filters that they put on, you see somebody and you're like, wow, they're really attractive, but that doesn't look anything like they look in real life. You know, exactly. when you're older and you kind of have this maturity, it's easy. But when you're young and I see it and my kids, you know, they're, they're always talking about how popular somebody is, you know, how many likes and follows they have, whereas I couldn't care less because I know there's so much that goes into that, that has nothing to do with who I am as a person. And, you know, the, the important things are believing in yourself, honesty, integrity, accountability, putting in the hard work, you know, living up to your, your morals, your values and taking care of your family. I mean, when I look at you uh, and it's something that, that runs with all of the big timers is they take care of their family, their loved ones. And nobody does that better than you. Talk, talk to me about your kids. Oh, my son, he's awesome. You know, uh, he, uh, he's in fifth grade, he's 11 years old and uh, he loves soccer. You know, we, we tried the wrestling thing and, and, uh, of course, you know, I wanted him to get into wrestling because it's what I did when I was younger, but, uh, he chose a different route and now he's really good at soccer. Uh, I'm his father, so I think he's good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what we're going after. My daughter, she's, uh, in fifth grade as well. And she just, she's a little girl, you know, she's not interested in anything that I want to do. So I, I have to take myself and, uh, do things with her that she's interested in doing. And it's completely opposite with my son because we are just alike. <laughs> you know, I, you, you just said it's, I, I'm his father. So I think he's good. And I, I've kind of learned through my travels that, you know, that's all it takes in the beginning is somebody to, to validate you are as a person and, and what you're doing and who you are and an opportunity as a young person to just feel good about yourself, no matter what it is, because that's where it starts. You know, your kid uh, draws a picture and it looks good and you tell them, Hey, that looks really great. They feel valued and it's something that they can feel good about themselves. And so as a parent, I'm always trying to expose my kids to everything, you know, whether it be music or sports or acting or, you know, drama, whatever it is, just to find them an opportunity to be able to go and participate in something where they can practice life, which is working with people you like, working with people you don't like, putting in hard work, failure, 
You know, failure is so key. Understanding that, you know, failure isn't something to be feared. You know, the, the great Conor McGregor said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I think it's such a great, not that I agree with everything he does, but that statement I thought was great because it really is the essence of life. I tell my kids all the time, life is just a series of competitions and you win some and you lose some and you just move on to the next one and nothing really matters. You know, I'm a big soccer fan. I'm watching World Cup and Harry Kane, one of the greatest players of all time. He just uh, missed a penalty kick to get England out of the uh, out of the tournament, and it's painful and it's brutal, and I know it's awful for him. But you know what? Life is going to go on, and he's going to be just fine. He's going to go back to to playing at Tottenham and being a great player. And 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 you know, the ability of people to succeed in life is their ability to you know move past failure, you know, and just go on to the next thing. And you keep working you keep uh, moving forward, you keep your head down and eventually things break your way. And that's what we want to do with the big timers foundation is, you know, we got kids now that are exposed to a lot of stuff on social media, violence, they're getting into guns and fights and gangs and things like that. And that's just not the way to long-term success. And this is, you know, not thinking about the consequences of your actions and what you're going to do. And, you know, we just saw in Atlanta, you know, some young people getting killed with gang violence. If you're, if you're a big timer out there, if you're a young kid, follow us on bigtimers.com. Come in and join us. We're going to keep giving you advice. We're going to give you some opportunities for mentorship, and we're going to keep introducing people like custom-made Cody Durden to show you the way. Everybody have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being on, Cody. We'll catch you guys next time. 